This is episode 20 of the Remix Your World podcast, and today I'm talking to Super Jumbo, a.k.a. Tom Stefan. Welcome to Remix Your World. I'm Allison Kalagna, global DJ and music producer turned life remixer and personal growth coach. In each episode, we bring you real talk, inspiring stories, and heartfelt conversations of personal transformation to help you uplift and amplify your life. This is the Remix Your World podcast. Tom Stefan is an artist who truly marches to his own drum. The U.S.-born, U.K.-based DJ has headlined the world's most highly regarded parties and clubs, from Black Party New York to White Party Palm Springs, from Space Ibiza to Stereo Montreal and Agiha Tokyo, while holding down residencies at Beyond London, Matinee Barcelona, We Party Madrid, Big Paris, Rapido Amsterdam, Karma Beat Mexico City, and Alegria New York City. In the studio, he's among the most accomplished with a discography of original and remixed work that includes 18 Billboard dance chart number ones and reads like a who's who of global dance music producers from Basement Jacks to Beyonce, Missy Elliott to Major Lazer. Most well known for his super chumbo moniker, Tom Sound was born out of the New York City after hours scene and merged with his home base in East London. Never one to accept complacency, Tom has embraced the creative advantage of using Tractor as his DJ instrument. This full-fledged flexing of technology allows him to create an unrelenting dance floor experience that is unrivaled in terms of intensity, creativity, and fluidity. Come here for yourself why Tom Stefan is heralded as one of the best in the game. Yo, check this out. So... What if you could find a way to have more joy, creativity, and passion in your daily life? Imagine if lack of time wasn't in your way of doing what you love. What if you found the courage to pursue the vision that lies deep within you? What if the fear of judgment and all of those negative voices in your head didn't hold you back from living and loving out loud? What would it look like if you had a community of fierce allies who inspired you to be the best version of yourself? The CIJ Clarity Catalyst is based on a Stanford University's master's degree course in transformation. CIJ teaches you how to remix difficult situations into daring possibilities. It helps you silence the negative mind chatter. It helps you create more authentic relationships by deepening your communication skills. CIJ helps you turn up the volume on self-confidence while bringing peace, play, and purpose into your daily life. I would be honored to teach you what I have learned. Now, I can promise you, there's plenty of tough love, coaching, and real talk. But I can also promise you there's plenty of laughter and play. Because that's just who I am at the core. And I would love to meet who you are at your core. If you're looking for change, if you're looking to get unstuck, if you're looking for true clarity, then I highly invite you to take this powerful eight-week journey with me. Now, CIJ isn't for everyone. If you're the kind of person who wants change but doesn't want to really dig in and do something about it, it's not for you. 
And I would rather us not try and work together than for you to convince yourself that you're ready. I want you to be really ready for this course. And it's going to take some daring. And it's going to take a little bit of muscle. And it's going to take a lot of courage. But if you are ready, then it's ready for you. Find out if you and I are a good fit for each other. And if we are, welcome to class, my friend. If you want to find out more, head over to remixyourworld.com slash CIJ. Today I'm talking to Tom Stefan, also known as Super Chumbo. How the hell do you even come up with a name like Super Chumbo? Well, we find that out. So you'll have to stick around and listen. We sat down and talked about life, music, and his sobriety, and I was inspired to hear his story about the 12 steps and how they're a huge anchor in his life. In the club world, it doesn't get talked about a lot, and so I'm really honored that he came on to talk about it. I found a lot of inspiration in our conversation, and I know you're going to find some as well. So without further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with Tom Stefan. Yeah, so we'll just kind of like rewind the record because I, you know, I know you were actually, it was requested to have you. Um, So I thought that was really awesome and I'm glad that you said yes. So we'll just kind of start at the beginning, but like way back. So back to like little Tom. Where, so where were you born, raised, all of that good jazz? So I was born in Olean, New York, which is... um, uh, about it's ninety minutes south of Buffalo, New York, kind mm. of Buffalo, Niagara Falls, kind of on the about half an hour north of Pennsylvania border. Yeah, um, kind of nowhere. <laughs> and were you yeah. musical as a kid? Well, yes. I mean, my my father's a musician, okay. and my uncles are, are musicians, and so I didn't really have a, a choice. I think, like when I was one year old, I got a toy drum set, and when I was two, I got a piano, and three, I got a guitar, and so it was like you know, um, yeah. No, I didn't have much of a choice. And then, and, but you know, my father being into music, I there was always. Um, musical equipment around the house too so Mm -hmm. i had like some you know one of his old guitars to play or um yeah did you did you gravitate to one beats the drums or guitar or piano more or you know it didn't really i i kind of i started playing guitar i guess because that's what my dad did and he tried to give me lessons but i think that's a little bit like well for us anyway it was a bit like trying to teach a family member to drive like really frustrating Mm. And so I never really learned to play the guitar very well. I never learned to play anything very well, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but when I was, uh, I don't know how old would I must must have been? Maybe when I was ten, nine or ten, um, I saw Devo mm. um, on Solid Gold or something like that. Wow! <laughs> yeah. And um, that kind of actually before that I was into Kiss, but it was really when I discovered Devo and I said, "Wow, Dad, how do they make that sound?" And he said, "Well, son, that's a synthesizer. I want to play one of those." And he said, "Well, then you need to learn to play the piano." Mm. Um, and so I took piano lessons for a while, and but that was kind of that was really when I I started to have some direction of my own. Like you know, I knew I wanted to do something musical, but it was kind of when I discovered Devo that I started thinking. Now we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. And did you get called to like the deep to make 
you know, it's like, when did you hear electronic music and were you, like you were saying, so it was more of like, I want to create that. So it wasn't a DJ that kind of brought you into that or. No. Well, I mean, cause also, you know, being in Olean, New York, when I was a kid, you weren't, you know, before MTV, there wasn't really much right. of any, we had like one radio station, um, WPIG, the pig, all country music. And that's not even a joke. Wow. Yeah. No, no kidding. And um, so, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah. I mean, back then there wasn't, yeah, it wasn't easy. I can't imagine how life would have been different if we had the internet then. But anyway. I know. Um, so, yeah, so it was just kind of like, I don't know, like that kind of searching, because it was like when I heard Devo, I thought it was just like, you know, it's speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like following that path and following, you know, looking for music that, that I was into. And then it really wasn't until, and uh, and then I kind of went, I went from there to like industrial music. Mm-hmm. Um, Knights of Reb again was another time when I thought, Oh my God, these guys are doing something that's just like making me crazy. Like it's like the best thing ever. Yeah. And, um, and my friends, friends when I, you know, when I got was in college, I had friends that were into house music, but I wasn't totally, at the time until I went to the sound factory for the first time and her junior Vasquez and discovered this whole kind of like, you know, darker sounding house, like, um, you know, DJ Pierre and cashmere and, um, all of that stuff. That's, that's when I, it really changed my mind about, um, about house music. And that was kind of the night that I was converted into house head. <laughs> first sound can you imagine it's like so many of us like junior vasquez converted us you know it's like wow from that honestly when i think about i don't know how you could have gone to the sound factory and not been converted (laughs) because of the atmosphere and the people were everyone around you was so happy and so into the music it was just contagious Mm, yeah and so then what's what what propelled you then of like okay fuck i gotta start making this so, um, yeah, so then, I mean, by that time, when I first went to the sound factory, I had then come to London, um, and there wasn't, they weren't playing the same kind of music here. Right. And that's really what made me think about DJing that and the fact that I was here as a student and I really shouldn't have been staying, but I didn't want to leave either. Mm. What were you so, studying? Um, I was studying film. Nice. Um, yeah, although I wasn't convinced that that's what I wanted to do. I just, I really wanted to do music, but I didn't know, I didn't have the nerve to just try to do it. And mm. I didn't really know, yeah, I didn't know how to go about it really. Um, but yes, but then I got into clubbing and I kind of started thinking, maybe I can do this. And, you know, um, and there seemed to be a reason to do it because I thought people aren't playing what I want to hear. So somebody else must want to hear this. Right. Actually, the truth is no, no one did for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was always like, uh, you know, um, DJing and, you know, play two for you and one for me. And, yeah. You know, yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's pretty common. Sometimes there's still gigs like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you became a DJ, then what, so how did it break it down and tell us like, so where the super chumbo came from versus the Tom Stefan and, you know, that whole thing, because that's how I found you was super chumbo, which most of us. Yeah. 
you know, I, I mean, from Twisted on the Get This with the yeah. little pussy on the little cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, before Super Chumbo, there was Tracy and Sharon. That was my first. Okay. Um, yeah, that was my first recording name All and right. DJ. Actually, um, I mean, that started by I was I went to a rave here um, mm. with a friend and he said, oh, this place is full of Tracy and Sharon's. And I <laughs> thought, what does that mean? But I thought it was hilarious. And um, and I said, oh, you and I should we should start a DJ or a production team and, and be Tracy and Sharon. Mm. And we were going to do it. And he kind of bailed. And then I thought, well, fine, I'll do it myself. I'll be Tracy and Sharon. And actually, it's my initials, T-A-S. And so oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But actually, um, back then, which was also pre-internet, really, um, people, I would get bookings and I'd show up and they'd think, why are you one person mm. and not a drag queen? Mm. That's what they expected, um, and it was just me, and so that got a little bit confusing. So, mm-hmm. um, so at one point, I kind of decided to drop that. And um, Super Chumbo came from. I was at. Um, I'd gone to Lisbon, um, or it was just outside of Lisbon. There was like a twisted um, festival in Portugal, and so we had gone to hear Danny Tenaglia play at this castle outside, and and outside of Lisbon and um, driving back from there at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, we stopped to get gas and I got out to fill up the car and, you know, Philip and, and the, the pump said like chumbo or S chumbo or super. And I was like, what do you want? Chumbo or super chumbo? <laughs> that was just like, you know, it was a long night. It was just one of the times that so super chumbo just stuck. That um, is from, so awesome, and um, it's not—it's not even right because actually, S Chumbo meant Sem Chumbo. Mm. Super Chumbo means super leaded. It doesn't really kind of exist. But anyway, that's actually where it came from. Yeah, but you're the one and only Super Chumbo. That's what makes it so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's so awesome. So, yeah. So what do you think has been from then? You began because it's so different now, right? You know, and so like talk to us a little bit about the differences that you see now as to what it was like back then. Because when you were creating music, I'm sure you were all analog, but I mean, you had to have been. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, listen, I just came back from the studio right now with a hard drive in my bag. Mm. Um, I used to go to the studio with, you know, I used to have to you know, take a taxi full of um of equipment and bring in a giant, you know, JD 800 keyboard and, you know, Emacs sampler and all of this stuff that you drag around. In fact, I dragged it up to Manchester to work in a studio there too. I mean, it's, it's just insane mm. about, um, what I, you know, what we had to do then. And, um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That it's all, like all in your laptop now. <laughs> it's crazy. Did you have your favorites? like your favorite gear then when now that they've released it in terms of digitally or VSTs that you've used? I haven't, that's funny. I haven't, um, I haven't really specifically gone back and used something that I used to have. Mm. Um, but I did have my, my Roland JD 800 for a long time. I just, I just sold it this year. 
I just got it was like <laughs> there was like three keys left at work. <laughs> All right, we've been together for a long time, but it's time to let you go. Have you been? I'm sure you've been to that. What is that place called? Is it G Five in Tokyo? I think it's called G Five, something like that. That old vintage keyboard shop in in oh, Tokyo. Oh no, I haven't. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'll I'll send you a link to it so the next time you're over there, it's unbelievable. Oh wow. Um, yeah, no, it's so cool. So when you started, then you started producing, when did you start getting bigger and bi- what records do you feel like were really big pushes? Because, you know, as as a DJ playing your records, I saw them, but I'm curious as what it was for you. Because for me, you know, like this beat is, you know, Fierce Ruling Diva, those were things where it's yeah. like, wow, this this cat is like on to a totally having, different level. I was having my moment right then. <laughs> that was, yeah, um... But actually, speaking of Get This, though, um, that actually came from a remix that I did for Nana Cherry because I did this. Um, my manager at the time was working. Um, yeah, he was working with this indie label and they had done this thing with Nana Cherry. And so I ended up doing a remix of that. And um, and at the time I had met Danny Tenegli. And so I was sending him my things mm. and he said, you know, Actually, maybe he played the Nana Cherry thing, but he said, I really wish you did a dub of this. And then Rob from Twisted said, I really like this too. I would put it out if, you know, if it was like, I love the track. Like if it was a different vocal, I would put it out. So we asked the label, like, do you care if I take this instrumental and do something else with it? And they were like, no, go ahead. And so that became Get This. Wow. And, um, and so, and I think that, yeah, and I think that Danny played that. So that was really important that um again that was like another thing that kind of like i don't know solidified my path where i was where i was kind of going and developing that sound and um being part of the twisted family i guess and uh but then um it wasn't until the revolution that things actually changed that yeah, I mean, you know, in other words, I wasn't really aware i'm always surprised when people tell me that they knew get this because i wasn't really aware of mm anybody knowing it and um and then and then i did the revolution and like a lot of other things that i did you know i sent them around to a bunch of labels nobody was interested it's too dark Mm -hmm. and um and then it was like uh yeah it's like around christmas or something and i was talking to danny on like aol messenger or something like that and uh he said hey that track that you sent me is doing really well at vinyl and i was like what track what are you talking about and he said the revolution and i said really i didn't even know you played it and he said yeah no it's really it's like a big hit at vinyl and then a few months later it was the miami music conference and it was like it was that cliche of of the music conference that it was like he played it um, he played it that night at his party. And, and when I got home a few days later, my email was full of like Pete Tong, deep dish express Two, like all these people wow. asking for this track. And it was like, uh, totally blew my mind. And, and yeah. And from then, what was the sample in that? Where did you get that sample? It wasn't a sample. It's, um, it's, uh, Victoria Wilson, James. Um, oh. she, she actually sang, um, she was uh, in Soul to Soul for a while, mm. 
Um, and she was working for, how did I meet her? Um, she was like sharing an office uh, with a club promoter that I worked with. And she's like, she's just like amazing. Like she, she's, you know, she just has like whatever, like star quality, you know, mm-hmm. she just looks like she walks into the room and you're like, you know, and she's, and she's got this amazing voice. And um, my friend said, yeah, you know, she used to be in Soul to Soul and she's made some rap. And I was like, oh, I want to make a record with her. And um, and that's how that happened. And and we did quite a few things um, together around that time. And so what was the inspiration behind it? Were you f- frustrated or was she frustrated? Like, how did the vocals come about where well, you were like, hey? Actually, the, so we were actually working on something else that was, we were trying to be, do something a bit more commercial. We were mm. trying to do like a new kind of inner city thing, like house music, but pop house music, but kind of, and we were writing these songs. And in fact, we kind of had a record deal at one point, And then the person who was in the record company got fired and somebody else got it and it never went anywhere. I don't know. And then while we were doing that, I suddenly had this, this, um, um, this idea that like where I, when I was DJing, I kept thinking, you know, I like, you know, I like these defected records with uh, soulful vocals. Mm-hmm. I like techno records. I think we should put them together. I want to make a techno record with a soulful vocal. That's my, that was my idea. And this idea for it's time for the revolution. It's it's funny. I can remember where I was walking down the street when I started singing it. Really? Um, it. Anyway, so I said, listen, can we just like stop this other stuff we're doing right now and just I've got this idea in for you know, and so we we did the revolution and and then i said you know and she was like oh so let's do some harmonies and stuff and i was like no 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 no. but i don't want to make it any more like a song i kind of want it to be like i sampled you but like you know yeah um so that was yeah that's that's what it was but then again but like i said it was months it was probably six months before before i knew that danny was playing it or anything i thought the track had just kind of come and gone and then um but it was just one of those things that you know when he played it at the conference it was uh it was um, it was a moment, and um, yeah, and then so then you know, um, and then the other thing that happened was I I had done uh, I I just wanted to time stretch this I found this acapella of Get Your Freak On, Missy mm. uh, Elliott, and I just wanted to time stretch it so I could play it, fly it over my DJ set or whatever, and uh, and. And then once I put it, so I was in the studio, and then once I put it in the computer, then I thought, well, I should just put some percussion behind it. And then, you know, and then by a few hours later, I had a a mix. And then that was, then, you know, next thing, I know Pete Tong was playing that too. And then they decided to sign it. And it was those few things both happening at once that suddenly I had this kind of interest in what I was doing. And and that was really, uh, you know, that's what really changed things. Wow, and then you started getting booked, obviously, as Super Chumbo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you yeah. think some of the – oh, God, man, I guess it's such a different time back then. So what were some of the biggest parties that you walked away from of like, oh, my God, I'm going to remember this forever? Well, some of the things that – I mean, I, I remember – because like right before, it's funny too. Because it's right before the revolution, I had this this uh, person who was interested in. Sorry, maybe I should turn my email off. Um, who was interested in managing me, and and so I started work, working with her, and she hooked me up with this DJ agent, and, and the agent was like looking at my diary, and she's like, next year we'll have that completely f- booked solid. And I was thinking, 
yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what you, uh, sure, okay. And um, and then you know, so we had this whole plan of like, we're really gonna make this work. We just just need a hit record. That's all. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, guys. And I was like, well, I'll keep making music, and we'll just see what happens. And then suddenly it it, it did happen. And then suddenly I was booked solid <laughs> for a few years, and it was nuts. And but I remember the first time I went to Asia. Um, Somebody was asking before me before I went, like, what do you think it's going to be like there? Do you think, like, uh, they're going to know your music? And I said, I doubt it. I mean, you know, how could they? Mm. And um, and so my the first place that I played was in Taipei. And mm. uh, I played the revolution, and, like, the whole place sang along. And it blew me away. Wow. I was just like, you're kidding me. You know this? <laughs> um, it was just like, it was totally nuts. It was totally like overwhelming. Yeah, really amazing. I find um, somebody was asking me the other day, like, where is your favorite place to play? And I was and I was sharing how, what it's like playing in Asia because of that reason. There's such a, um, there's an appreciation like no other that I have, I've experienced. I feel like they're very appreciative. Absolutely. It's been amazing. Yeah. So what do you feel has been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in music because now i mean you've been doing this wow a long time well so that's it right there <laughs> right how do you stay how do you stay relevant and mm. stay um stay exciting in a time when really it's like every you know everyone's constantly looking for the next thing mm. um and and i understand that myself because i do the same thing it's like being a dj and a producer you're kind of on both ends of it right you yeah. know you're like you know, you're looking for something new and exciting at the same time as then trying to figure out what it is that you still do and how you produce. And um, so, yeah, it's, and it's like, you know, there's been, you know, it's very, uh, you know, it's very up and down. I mean, there was this, you know, around the revolution time that kind of took me, you know, I mean, before that I had been playing pretty much, um, exclusively in gay clubs because that's where I go. It's where I went out. It's where, yeah. you know, gay guy that I went to gay clubs and then, and then that's where I wanted to play. That's where my friends went. That's where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, um, the way that went. And then suddenly with the revolution, it kind of took me to a totally different place. And, and, and then I kind of really lost touch in a lot of, uh, depends on, depends on the city. Some places I always played gay parties, other other places I didn't, um, and London was one of them. You know, then I, I really lost touch with the like the gay scene in London. And then after, um, I don't know, maybe it was probably two thousand seven or two thousand and eight. That that kind of, I it's like I it's like I I felt like my production. I backed myself into a corner, or I went mm-hmm. down far down a road that I thought, what am I doing down here? And I. I really got into kind of the Dutch sound before it became EDM or something like that okay. because um, it was like it was like where I was, you know. Music just seems to um, paths cross and then they, you know, diverge and go off. and And I felt like the kind of the twisted sound, techno sound, I felt wasn't exciting enough. I kind of took this other path, and then suddenly I found myself thought, "What am I doing here?" Right. And, um, so because I didn't sound right for a lot of the bookings that I was getting. And so, 
it was like I had to kind of reinvent myself and start again. And so that's exactly what I did. I found myself in London and no one wanted to book me here. And so I just started what I did in the beginning and start my own party and kind of build, build things from scratch again. Yeah. yeah. And, and really there was, again, there was this period of kind of not a lot of, it was a bit like, I don't make sense anywhere at the moment. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but I just kept doing my thing, you know, I just kept like, well, whatever. It's not like, you know, um, I just kept, you know, chugging along. And then it wasn't until, uh, the remix that I did for, um, partition. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that kind of, you know, kick started this other little, um, wave of, of, um, something, I don't know, kind of my, my rebirth on the gay scene, I feel like. Right. Yeah. And when you were going through that kind of a, that period when you were talking about musically where you're like, this isn't right, something's not off, was that, you know, because you've been open about the depression, was that around that time also? Well, um, I'm sure that it, yeah, I mean, well, definitely, I mean, it was definitely a very challenging time. It was one of the times that I thought, wow, is like, is this, is like, can I not actually make a living doing this anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, do I, do, do I need to figure out something else to do because is this not going to work? Um, but interesting, I mean, that, that happened for me right before the revolution too. I mean, it's, um, because also, I mean, you know, that, that post that maybe you're referring to, I talked about addiction as well. Mm -hmm. And actually it was when, um, because I feel it's really relevant that I got clean and sober in 99 and, and I made the revolution that year, uh, like beginning of 2000 or halfway through 2000. Um, and it really felt to me like any, anything that happened after that, all of the, the gigs and um, productions and everything, I never would have been able to do it a year before or two years before. I just wouldn't have to do it. Um, you know, I was like, I, you know, I was, you know, in my twenties and I enjoyed myself. And then suddenly it wasn't like only, it wasn't enjoyable anymore. It was just like, you know, the party didn't stop and it just got dark and yeah, it was addiction that, yeah. that, you know, and I didn't realize how much of my life it was taking up and how much of brain it was taking up. And then having this, you know, suddenly having this moment where I was clean and, and not even really realizing that could, that was a possibility. Um, yeah, it was really like, uh, you know, kind of a, a rebirth moment. And that was when the revolution happened and it was like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really amazing that it happened that way. Yeah, that's actually um, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. What yeah. was the moment that you decided this is it? I can't do this anymore. I have to get clean. Do you remember that exact moment? Um, well, there was a couple, I suppose. If you mean like a, having a rock bottom, there was a couple. Um, a friend of uh, a friend of mine. Um, we were at like we had been DJing and up all weekend and. And he was actually, yeah, he was a dealer. And it was just the two of us there. And he said, yeah, it's just us junkies left. Oh. And I I thought, well, I mean, you are. Mm. And then I thought, wait a minute. How can I be sitting here with this guy and blaming him and thinking you're something and that I'm not? Mm -hmm. How can I say I'm not? Like, wait a minute. There's that. And then, then, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two after that, he killed himself. Wow. 
And, and it was just like things like that were just happening when it was just like, you know what, this is no joke. And I had been trying to stop for maybe a year or two myself and just thinking, come on, I just need to get it together. You know, I just need to, okay, that's, that's enough of that. Um, and I just couldn't stop, you know, it would just be, you know, and it was things that, you know, wasn't like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't probably what I would imagine a hardcore drug user was. I was a club drug user, you know, I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I mean, you know, it was like ketamine was my thing. Right. So it wasn't, you know, um, and even at the time there was, you know, I was like calling like the national drugs helpline and they would say like, well, actually ketamine's not even an addictive drug, so we can't really help you. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. That's what they thought back then. Um, I've met a lot of people that would disagree since then. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm sorry. I've lost my train of thought now. No, no. I'm glad that we went there. I wanted to go there. What, so- yeah, well, and that was the reason that you know I I I always find it's like I'm always happy to talk about this, but I, I always kind of shy away from it because I feel like I don't know. I don't know if it's I don't ever want to sound like I I would talk about something like this as a I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like an awkward thing to talk about, but. But also, I do just see, like, I assume that everybody knows that mm-hmm. that there's help available or or that this is, can be a problem and that you can do something about it. I just assume that everyone knows that. But but sometimes I think maybe people don't. Yeah. You know, maybe people aren't aware of, of 12-step programs and, and all of the, the ways that you can get help. Um, and that's why I ended up, you know, posting that thing because I just thought, I'm, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that you did. I'm glad that you did. Um, because I think, too, it's not also that I don't think a lot of people know is I think a lot of it's easy to not get real with yourself about it, you know? So, like, for you to be like, oh, I just need to get it together. I just need to get it together. That's a very common thing until you had that moment of like, oh, fuck, wait a minute. Am I a junkie? Like, this is crazy. So I, I think in the more the whole purpose of the me building remix your world and me having to do this myself and remix my own life is to be have this place for people to actually talk about this because in our industry we're so busy being fierce and fabulous that we don't want to talk about what's going on underneath all of that you know and so this it's important so i'm really i'm grateful that you've you know you've come on to to talk about it because it needs to be talked about yeah also i feel like there's maybe there's places where Maybe in the U.S. or the U.K., I feel like maybe people are more aware mm. of addiction. and um, But maybe I find in other countries, you know, because a lot of times people go, you know, you go to DJ somewhere and you go for dinner and they go, oh, do you want wine? And you go, actually, no, I don't drink. Like, But do you want a beer? And they go, no, actually, I don't drink. You mean you don't drink? You don't do anything? And then they go, oh. Yeah. Okay. And they get it. But there's some places where there is no oh moment and they just kind of go, but just have a glass, and you're like, no, I'm really not. Have- no, not even a glass of champagne. No, not even a sip. No, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that makes me think it's not clicking with you. That you know, is it not? Is it not? You know, in in a place um, a place where I play in Milan is mm. is popping to mind. Um, and it just made me think. You know, maybe there are pe- you know maybe there's places and people that just that don't know, and so maybe it is helpful mm-hmm. to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Because for sure it's, you know, for sure it's around, it's, you know, it's all over. And, you know, and I, I for a long time just thought, but I'm just doing what my friends are doing. Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with that? Well, I've discovered what's wrong with that is it's a problem for me. It might not be a problem for anyone else. I mean, I'm not 
you know, I'm certainly not like uh, going to judge anyone for what they do. I would be kind of a hypocrite to, you know, to do that. Um, but I have to admit that, you know, that for me, this is, this is the, the way for me is just, is, you know, is, um, I need to abstain. That's really the only solution I had amazing times in my twenties. They have offered me a lifetime of inspiration, but it just needed to stop. And, yeah. and I'm so glad it did. So you talk, you mentioned 12 steps. Was that a big piece for you and getting clean? Uh, it was the only thing that worked for me. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's been the, the thing that's, um, that worked for me and, and, and continues to work. You know, I'm still, I still go to meetings. I'm still, uh, um, yeah. How did your friend circle start to change when you started to get sober? Well, I mean, I thought, yeah, I mean, I had to take time away from DJing. I had to take time away from friends and, but I would say that actually, I, I, I would say that I never, you know, I, in fact, I thought, oh my God, am I going to still want to make moody you yes. know, music or am I going to be like into jazz now or what? Right. Um, anyway, and then I discovered, no, that wasn't the case at all. And that was when I made my revolution and went on to do all those things. So that didn't change. But um, I had to take time away from, from people. And I think that I probably reconnected with those people but maybe in a different way and maybe not you know um over time i needed to have some space and we're probably not as close as we used to be or whatever or they we don't hang around probably just because i'm not out at six in the morning yeah. going after hours party anymore unless i'm djing at it <laughs> yeah you know yeah um, do you love playing? So when you play now, or do you prefer playing those after-hour slots in terms of times? Or I mean, is it because for me, it's gotten. I love the music, but it's like harder and harder to play at like six in the morning now. I find. <laughs> no, I would say that that's true. That's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that can be true. Although, I mean, I suppose ultimately, what I like doing is playing wherever the music works best that's yes. what makes it happy, really but yeah for sure waking up at um actually sometimes when people say oh that's really you know i don't you don't start until 9 a.m that's really great it's like a normal job yeah actually there's that feeling of what well, yeah you, i'm it's 9 a.m for me i've slept and had breakfast but i'm walking into saturday night yes <laughs> it's still saturday night in here yeah. um that moment but, is always the trippiest moment because like, so Alegria or something, you know, you, yeah. I go to bed at six, you wake up at three and then you go to the club at like five and yeah. it, it's the weirdest thing walking into that of like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so trippy because it is, it's Saturday night. You're walking into Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a spiritual or a sacred practice that you would consider that you use daily or? What's your- well, I would say that for for me, the twelve step program is is my spiritual practice yeah. in in that it's um, you know in that it's uh, it involves having a higher power without having a religion. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but um, so much of the world has <laughs> destroyed <laughs> uh, anything that I could think about religion. Um, but that's still, you know, it's still in me. That's, you know, if I, you know, was in a terrible spot, I would probably suddenly discover that I could pray, mm. you know, and it, that's like, that's ingrained in, within me. But, but really what I, I really find very liberating about the 12 step program is that it's, that it's exactly that it's a way to have, you know, it's like, I almost feel like if you feel like you, you're angry about religion or the fact that, you know, 
American politicians use religion and you, so you want nothing to do with it. Um, it doesn't leave you any option then, does it? You know, it's like, I don't believe in God, therefore I don't believe in anything. And that's the thing I think is really works for me with, 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 um, 12 step fellowships that it's, you know, having a higher power just needs to be something that makes sense to you. And for me personally, what makes sense to me is I don't know. And I believe that that's just not for me to know yeah. if, if the higher power than me that I, I can't possibly understand it. But I do know that having faith in something yes. and doing things and, and putting in, you know, uh, the action of, of, you know, the 12 step fellowship, which is about being honest, which is about helping other people and all of that. I know that all of those things get me to the right place. You know, like it's, it, it always makes me think of like, um, uh, in Star Wars, when um, like Yoda, Yoda is teaching um, Luke Skywalker to use the use the Force, like, so he says, "Put on a blindfold." Yeah. Like it makes no sense. Why would I put on a blindfold? I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. But it's that's that's kind of what I feel about this. It's like I can't make sense of it. But if I just do just do it, then then things are things are in a better place, and I, you know, yeah. get a better version of me out of it. Yeah, I love that. Who do you look to for inspiration then musically? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I um, that's a very interesting question. I mean, I suppose it was people like Danny Teneglia and Junior Vasquez were like my idols at the time. And, um, and in some ways still are, you know, yeah. Danny and, um, but I guess I'm just always looking for new stuff to listen to. And I'm, and, and I've really been listening to a lot of music recently. That's not, that's not house, which is also a bit strange. It's a bit unusual, but like I got really into the Queens of the stone age and Arctic monkeys this year. And, um, and I feel like it's a good thing because I think that I've always tried to kind of bring, bring things, whatever things appeal to me, kind of bring them together yeah. and, and out comes whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I, I find that for me, I love to listen to completely different genres that I don't play because it, right. Right. it just, it sparks something completely different. If I'm constantly listening to what I'm trying to create, then it's sometimes I'm just stuck in a formula I can feel. Yeah. So I like to find. Also, also I feel like, um, do you find like uh, I want to keep the my excitement for house music for the clubs? So yeah. I'll make you know it's like fresh and exciting for me too because there was yeah I mean sometimes I do listen to my mixes but a lot of times I, I'm more excited when I get to the club if I haven't heard the songs in a while mm-hmm. you know I keep it keep it fresh for those those times when you your creative process like you're going into the studio. Do you create, do you set an intention of what you're going to make or do you allow f- just free flow to come through or is it a mix of both? Mix of both. Mix yeah. of both. And that's, I would say the same thing about a DJ set. It's mm. a mix of both. Like, you know, um, I just was, yeah, just finished something in the studio today and went in with an idea and it's taken a slightly different turn. And that's what, you know, it's like, that's. For me, that's the most exciting part when it's when I feel like something's happened and I didn't expect it, and it's better than what I could have thought of, you know. Yeah, and you're do. I mean, you've you're still releasing under Super Chumbo. You just did that too, and the Tom Stefan thing. So, do you put one hat on and you're like, all right, today I'm going to put my Tom Stefan hat on? Yeah, well, yes. 
actually, yeah. And uh, yeah. today with Super Chumbo. Um, I mean, for a while, Super Chumbo just didn't really, mm, just didn't really make sense. Like, I don't know, I guess where I was playing or what I was doing. And then finally I had this idea and, you know, and people ask about it and, um, yeah. So finally I just had, I had some ideas and, and one of the things that I just did, just, I thought this sounds like super chumbo to me. And, um, I feel like I know what super chumbo sounds like. And Tom Stefan is just a bit more like, you know, I play a wider variety of things and, I'm probably just a bit more realistic about, you know, I'm in this club. This is what these people um, like. And so I'm not going to just go on and play some dark tribal techno. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Cause I, I loved that. Set yourself free was, Oh my God, that's a beast. <laughs> and it, I mean, it sets the room on fire. Yeah. It does. Happy to hear that. Yeah. So how do you feel your sound has changed over the years? What would you say the big the big differences have been for you as a producer? Um Well, I mean, I suppose honestly the biggest difference is technology. Mm-hmm. And that's um but I don't know, it's a weird thing. I mean, in some ways I feel like, you know, you like you go in circles and I go away from myself and then arrive back at the beginning with maybe something else that I picked up along the way, but I guess that's also why I didn't, wasn't doing super chumbo for a while. Cause maybe I was just a bit far away from it, mm. but it was like when I started playing kind of on the circuit scene, it was like, I had to really make an effort to, um, to kind of be able to match the intensity of the other DJs to keep the energy levels up, um, match the kind of vocal, you know, number of vocals to kind of keep everyone engaged. Cause otherwise I kind of lost them. But then after having that and then maybe establishing a name for yourself so you have a little bit of trust, then you can start to experiment a bit more mm-hmm. and some other things. And then they start to work and people, you know, so. What's, what's been one of your favorite in the last, say, three years? Like one that you really, really loved, whether it was it was really big or not. Well, what was one that you really loved? Um, what do you mean? A, a production? Uh, yeah, production. Um. That's a good question. God, you know, every time somebody asks me this, I always think of like the last thing that I did, I think. But um, (laughs) I mean, the last thing, because it's like I'm always most excited about the new thing. Mm. Um, But probably this, um, this, the last Super Jumbo thing I did, which was this track called Mother. Mm. Uh, And, and actually I have to say it's one of, you know, it's another thing I suppose maybe you can relate that, that you, I, I play you know, as once once I'm in the DJ booth, then I'm the DJ, and like maybe I'll play my track, and maybe I won't. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like now in the DJ booth, and now what's most important is making this party happen. Yeah. And so even if you've got something you're going to try out, I'll be like, it's not going to work. I can't play it. Yeah. And Mother, for some reason, has worked for me so much over the past two years since I did it or whatever um, that I've really played it. Uh, I've played it a lot. Um, so and yeah, I you know that certainly hasn't. I don't believe got much attention. But, yeah, um, but it's it's awesome, and it's uh, it's, 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 me playing it's and, a little and, dark. It's got it's more of a techno. I mean, I love that track. But did it? Yeah. It's it's on several different labels, though. Which one was it actually originally on? Um, it was on uh, David Tort's uh, Hotel recording. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that was the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, that was just me trying to 
yeah, again, just makes sense of what, what, what works for me, which is, was kind of playing, um, I was playing, uh, I don't know, I was playing somewhere and I, I had played kind of like a tribal circuity kind of thing. And I started playing this techno record after it. And I just kept the tribal drums going over the top of this. And then I was like, Oh, this is really good. This is really good. Like, right. I need to do something like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had seen this, um, documentary about, um, clubbing in New York and, and there was like a shot of, um, Joe Clausel, I think at body and soul, like going nuts in the DJ booth and behind him was, Oh my God, I'm going to forget his name. <laughs> uh, oh man, I can't remember the guy's name. That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, he screams from the back of the booth, turn this motherfucker out. <laughs> oh, right. That's gotta be a record. That's gotta be a record. Yeah. So when the so the music in me though that you guys did was that an older thing that you brought back or uh, straight up new? No, actually it was um, it was I, I Jeff we had Jeff from Fierce Ruling Diva we had him over uh, a couple years ago uh, performing at a party that I did and then afterwards it was like a daytime party uh, it was like a festival and. Um, and then afterwards, we went back to my place, and um, and I said, "Yeah, cool. C- come on, let's like record some things while you're here." And so, yeah, we just had a couple ideas, and I just had him on the microphone, and that was just something that I had around for a while, and it was just like you know on my like to do list of like mm-hmm. there's something there, it just hasn't made sense yet. Yeah, no, I, that was a big. I've played. I think we all played that one for a really long time too. I think still. Because, you know what I loved about it is the whole band. I don't know if it's actually the Banji Boys sample, but that's what it brings me to when I hear it. whatever synth you, that you use in it. That's what it takes me to. Oh, okay, okay, nice. yeah. I mean, and I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, the couple of things that I've done with David Tour. I really, uh, I really like. I really love his sound. I mean, for me, it's, I do too. He, he really hits the that place of between house and tribal and techno. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, that's it. Really resonates with me. Yeah, it's just dark enough, but there's still yeah. a drive and energy, and it's sexy. And, and right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I know, you know, when people say dark, people are like, Ugh. right. Um, but that does dark doesn't necessarily mean boring. It does well, not. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, I know that there's dark music that you might, um, you know. Yeah, and, and it's all to be interpreted too. And it's like for me, if if you don't have, a, if you're only in the light, then you're not respecting the dark. And but it's Absolutely. it's 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 like life, you know. It's like yeah. we have we're humans. We have human experience. Sometimes we're dark. Sometimes we're happy. Yeah. It's like the music has to represent that. That's that's what yeah. I'm a big believer in. Yeah. So outside of those being musical prou- um, proud moments, what do you find has been your biggest proud moment in life in general? Oh, my God. <laughs> Proudest moment. Um, well, I mean, getting sober. I mean, yeah. also, that would that's the only thing that I, if I ever say, like, uh, it's the only thing that I know in my life 100%, 100% sure that that was the right thing to do. Everything else... You know, you make choices, you take turns, and you you know you you get from one place to another. But that's the one thing that absolutely, for sure, needed to happen, and and there's no no doubts about that. Yeah, and if you could tell young Tom anything, what would it be? <laughs> um, well, God, I always joke when people say it gets better. I normally say yeah, and then it gets harder. <laughs> but, um, I would say that it gets better because actually, I can also say you know before. 
when I got sober, I mean, I don't think anybody goes to a 12 step fellowship because they look like fun. Mm. Um, I suppose, you know, you walk into those rooms in a pretty desperate place and I certainly was in a very desperate place or I never would have done it. I mean, the idea of holding hands and doing this is so against, you know, (laughs) anything I ever wanted to do. Um, and I, when I think now, I thought at that point, I thought you've totally screwed up your life. There is, you know, this is like, forget it. You, you've totally, you've made all the wrong decisions and this is where it got you. Your life is over. Mm. I really thought that. And when I look back now, I think that's nuts. It's so nuts because my life literally had not begun until then. And I thought it was over. So, yeah. It's beautiful. So when it's all said and done, what do you want the legacy of Tom Stefan to be? Um, I don't know, but I mean, making music that, you know, that people enjoyed or like had experiences to and like relate in the same way that I think about, I know, you know, I can think of records that I remember hearing DJ Pierre play this record at Ministry of Sound this one time. I can remember Danny playing, you know, those things when you have those moments, just like, you know, that song kind of like captures the moment for you. And, you know, I have people tell me that about things, uh, about things, you know, music that I've made. And to me, that's like, that's, you know, that's just amazing that we could kind of communicate this, this thing together and share it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate your honesty and I admire everything that you've done. I've always, you know, like we've been friendly from afar and, and, we played together times, but I mean, I just can remember playing your records as a little pup. So it's really cool to have seen you grow and to get to know you as well. And you're an inspiration to a lot of artists, a lot of DJs, and now for a lot of people that might be questioning their sobriety. So I really honor your courage in, in talking to me about this, and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for doing this too, by the way, and for, for, you know, for making this happen, for asking these questions and giving people a place to talk about it. You are so welcome. You can come back anytime you want. Anytime you got something to talk about or just to talk about nothing. That's okay too. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Come on. Come on. Come on. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found something inspiring. If you did, take a picture with your phone, tag us on Instagram, and let us know what stood out for you. I would really appreciate it. You also can join the Facebook group. We've got a Remix Your World Insiders Facebook group. Come on in. We don't bite. I'm going to link up all of his information in the show notes so that you know how to find him if you're not already following him already. And I'll also link up that epic synth store in Tokyo that I love. So for my gearheads out there and all of my audiophiles, you're going to want to see this store. It is so amazing. If you find yourself in Tokyo, go. It's so awesome. So that's about it for this episode. Tom was requested. I really appreciate the requests. If you have someone you would love to hear me interview, please shoot me an email at podcastremixyourworld.com or DM me on Instagram. I'm in Instagram a lot more than I am in Facebook. So if you want to shoot me a quick message, 
hit me up at Instagram at Allison Kalagna. Have an amazing weekend. I really appreciate you taking some time to spend with me today, and I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Just a heads up, if you are new to meditating and you have no idea where to start and are looking for a little guidance, I've got something for you. I produce something called the Mindful Mixtape, and I'll send it to you. It's five guided meditations led by me, all put to music. If you are interested in downloading this, text the words meditate now to 44222 and I'll send that to you now. Or you can find it at remixyourworld.com. 